Andy does love some Andy. It's like you're inside of my head. <laughs> what is your fascination with Peterson? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Dear future me, <laughs> don't go to the courthouse. The Katie's moral a- of the story is don't leave your martial arts equipment and your other coat in a parallel dimension. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. <laughs> I'm Andy and I like every comic that's ever been made. I would not go to Jonathan Frake's booth because I would get space herpes. Hey everybody, this is Luke and Andy for Trade Secrets, and we are sitting here at Emerald City Comic Con talking to uh, the writer of Chew, John Lehman. Howdy. How's your con been so far? Oh, it's awesome. It's I nice don't have a table, so I'm just floating and you know, <laughs> working at my own schedule. That's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. So, um, I don't really, I, we don't have a, an agenda or anything. We can talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. Um, but uh, I think we'll start, of course, with, uh, with talking a little bit about Chew. Sure. Uh, I think and Andy here actually got me into it the, uh, the first time. I bought the, the first Omnivore edition was when I first started reading oh, it. Right and uh, I have, uh, I've become an instant fan. Love the book. It's great. Um, so I don't really know what kind of question to ask about it except to sit here and tell you that I think it's great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, if you ask me where so. I got the idea, that's like the popular question that I don't have an answer for. I pitched it for a really long time. Nobody wanted it, um, so I self-financed it. I hired my own artist, and consequently, I own it. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Rob's art as well. It's, yeah. uh, the, the combination of the two makes for a for very fun comic. Yeah, he's incredible, and he's you know the hardest worker in the world. Yeah. How, um, is it, is it, do you have a, an arc from front to back that you're planning on doing with the comic book? Is it supposed to end, or yeah, is it, it just going to be? Yeah, it issue 60. It issue 60, okay. So we just... 25 comes out this week, and every five we do a, a soft cover. Okay. Uh, so Major League Chew TPB is already at the printer for end of April. But, you know, so we're focused on the next arc, mm-hmm. which brings us up to the halfway point, which is terrifying. I mean, yeah. to, to be staring down the, uh-oh, we've done more now than we are going to do. And, yeah. you know, it's like the big hump. And then 30 is sort of a big issue in a lot of ways. So, you know... It, there's a lot of a, sort of emotional resonance to it. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think of what I want to say. Like, <laughs> do you feel like you've been, like, so when you started it out, did you had a overall, you wanted to go from A, B, C, D. Well, when I started out, you know, I've been in comics for 15 years, and I've never had real hits. You know, the things that sold, House of M, Fantastic Four, Marvel Zombies, Army of Darkness, a monkey could have written that, uh, and it would have sold. This didn't, you know, had nothing to do with John Lehman. And then Chu... Uh, so came with no expectations. And when I hired Rob, you know, this was a, a child who has never done comics before. And so many people, artists are flaky, artists are crazy. Um, he could have disappeared. So we made a deal for five issues. And I thought, okay, we'll put five issues out. It'll appeal to a small group of weirdos. And maybe someday I'll make my money back. Maybe someday I'll make a trade. And then I'll do five more issues with a different artist. And during the course of years and years and years we'd get maybe 25 issues out and I would tell the story but it it hit so big it exploded I mean it was sold out day one at my store we've got like a best case scenario where okay we're going to go as long as we want to go Uh and 60's like the sweet spot you know why transmit preacher uh, preacher the boys I mean they're not quite 60 some of them but 
60 seems like a good length it's for a, a novel. It's enough to tell a story and not have it go on forever yeah, and ever and you lose your focus. So we know the end. We know the last page. We know the last panel. Yeah, I, I think that that's a great length. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how it was going. You were showing me uh, you were showing me yesterday of some stuff about like uh, Secret Agent Poyo. And, oh, yeah. And we're doing our first like spin-off one-shot. Yeah. But uh, I haven't written it yet, so I'm, I'm terrified that it's going to suck, which... <laughs> which my problem is I write out of sequence, and Rob's working on 26. We've already done 27 because yeah, we did it out it, of sequence. Yeah. I've written 30 and half of 29, but I haven't written 28, and I haven't written Coil. And I'm sort of at the stage where I can see the deadline approaching. Uh-huh. There's just a white wall. And it's like, oh, no, the book's going to suddenly suck. It's going to be terrible. Everyone, <laughs> everyone stop reading. It's going to be awful. And I say that about every three issues, and somehow I get through it. Yeah, the the jump forward on Chew actually, uh, we we ended up doing that for our podcast too. Uh, I was I was absent for an episode, and they jumped forward to episode twenty seven of the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> now we have to. Now we're going back soon because this will be. Uh, we're just on episode twenty five, so now we're going to go back and redo episode six, which we skipped back. Oh, then. okay. <laughs> well, um, now we're to the point where we're, we've caught up. We're going to yeah. reprint it with a new cover and a bunch of stuff in the in the back because we've got a new uh, uh, a lot more readers since. Mm-hmm. So there's there are there are a lot of people who don't even know about this thing. Yeah, so. I, know, like, I know a bunch of people who don't normally read comics, and they're like, "Have you read Chew?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, I've read that." But I'll meet people who only read Trade; and they have no idea that 27 exists, yeah. which is part of the gag because yeah. this was our little thank you to the floppy readers. Right on, nice. Um, I. I also wanted to touch on you the the Godzilla uh, a mini that you did because I I, I had read um, several different Godzilla comic books uh, leading up to that um, and I was I was wondering because one of the things that I've found with with a lot of Godzilla comics is that when they focus so much on the monsters you lose the sense of scale that you're supposed to have yeah they with can't them. talk and you know yeah they, uh, you know the movies always are grounded in some sort of human. Right, kind of thing, and then I wanted to, you know, have a gangster in mm-hmm. there or cops or whatever, and so uh, uh, I got to fuse my love of like Asian gangster cinema with Godzilla, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a, a pretty well received book, which yeah. uh, made me happy. I, I really, and that's one of the things I really enjoyed the the fact that you it focused more on the the human aspect because that that gave the sense of awe and scale to the monsters that they deserved, which I which I felt some of the other series that kind of bookending yours yes. didn't have. Yes, I agree with that. Okay. Um, um, so you did, if I remember correctly, you did a bullseye one shot. Yeah. That had bullseye was dead the entire time. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Marvel came to me and they're like. Uh, you want to write something? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And they're like, okay, Bullseye's dead. What kind of people would go to his funeral? And that was that was the direction I got. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I wrote. And some people were like, oh, this story doesn't really matter. It's like, eh, you know, Marvel and DC, a lot of things don't. Yeah, I was matter. gonna say, how uh, many times has Jean Grey died? Like fifty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, I was proud of it because for what it was, tell a story of who comes to Bullseye's funeral. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And it actually opened the door for those Marvel annuals I did last year. Okay. The identity right. thing. But um, I'm, I have a good relationship with Marvel. I don't knock on their door too much. They don't knock on mine too much, mostly because I'm lazy and I don't hustle much. <laughs> you know, Chew, Chew occupies most of my time. I letter it. I design it. Um, and, uh, you know, I spend... It's, it's a business. I mean, I have to deal with all the... 
you know, the, the Hollywood stuff that's going on. And, you know, it's, it's just me and Rob, you know, doing everything. That can't be too much of a complaint, though, right? I mean, oh no, it's, life, is, <laughs> life is very like, good. Because uh, I, I think that's kind of the, the, to me anyway, that's the dream, right? You yeah. get the, you create your own thing, and then it explodes. Chew and you does get well to, enough that I don't have to take anything I don't want. Oh, so man. anything I put my name on is is not because I have to pay the electric bill. It's mm-hmm. because ooh, this sounds fun. Right yeah. on. So. Very very cool. That's very cool. So on a completely different tangent, I, I want to talk about your personal war against scorpions for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Gilbert, Arizona. Is, it, is it just like a constant infestation? Well, uh, no, because they go into hibernation. So I get about four months without them, uh, but then it warms up. And uh, I live in a neighborhood with scorpions. And if, if you don't keep the population in check, you know. That just seems fucking terrifying it's, it's to awful. me. I mean, they're, they're, they look like they're designed by Giger. <laughs> uh, they're, uh, are they the little white ones, or are they the big... They're the little ones. These, the, these yeah, the yeah. Ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, and fuck. we have a five-year-old, and uh, if he got stung, we'd have to get him to the hospital, or he could die. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily fatal because he's five, but a two-year-old, you know... That, yeah, that just seems like it would be just absolutely terrifying So to me. I go out at night, once we put him to bed, with a, a, a flashlight and a rubber hammer, and they're, they're um, uh, ultraviolet. So you shine them with a black light, and you can see them, like, weirdly glowing... And then they're super fast, and you smash them. And then I keep a, a Twitter account, yeah, which yeah. people seem to enjoy. And then occasionally, I'll find one, like, in the dining room. And uh, we have an exterminator, and a lot of times they're either dead or half dead because of the poison. Or our cats. Uh, cats are immune to the poison. And Fantastic. cats will just play with them to death. Our cats are too lazy. And I'm like, <laughs> why didn't you catch that one? But occasionally you find one in the house, and it's there's it's a violation, you know? Yeah. You feel like when your car gets robbed or something, you're like, how did this... And killer alien creature get into my house and what I, can I do I feel like an infestation of killer alien creatures is nature's way of telling humanity not to live someplace yes yes. and you choose to live there anyway why well, didn't choose oh okay it's a, it's a long story and I'm stuck there and I'm hoping a TV show will magically take me away transport you to a more <laughs> pleasant less yeah. alien infested location yeah. I encountered those little scorpions once in eastern Oregon when I was a kid um, when I was out camping and I woke up in the morning and they were all over around our tent. Weird. And yeah, I, I didn't even know they must be different because maybe uh, the the species that I'm dealing with are not social. So if they're around together, they're trying to kill each other for terror. Oh, really? So that that's always nice when you're breaking up a fight. <laughs> so if you found a bunch, it was probably a different kind. I don't think Eastern Oregon has the. The, the super poison. I wasn't ones. even aware that Oregon had scorpions no, at me all. Either. I mean, I'm used to the Pacific Northwest having things like brown recluse spiders yeah. and, you know, and that kind snakes. of stuff, and so even some snakes. O- but o- Oregon. So. I've completely derailed this, and I apologize. That's not derailing. That's <laughs> awesome. That's more interesting discussion than most that we have at this table. So. Um, and then we got other, off. other well, than shoot. Mars Attacks for Mar- IDW for a while. We don't know how long that's. I'm going to go as long as it's fun, but I can't. I can't let it interfere with Chew because Chew totally. is... Chew's the bread and butter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is me having fun. Yeah. And it's fun, having fun with John McRae, who uh, That's pretty I rad. edited like 12 years ago, The Monarchy. And we've been just con buddies. John's like the greatest guy in the world. And he did, you know, Hitman. And he's uh, uh, he's absolutely perfect for Mars Attack. So That's very cool. It's, you know, it's, it's fan fiction that's published. Yeah, no kidding. So, out of curiosity, other than we're going to exclude Chew from this, what is the favorite, your favorite personal, like, if someone was like, hey, I'm, I'm reading Chew, oh, what else do I want to read? The, the two books I recommend to everyone is Lock and Key and Six Gun. 
of your stuff. Sixth though. gun. Yes. Six Gun is uh, that was actually our, our very first show. I introduced oh, Luke and yeah, secured that. I'm yeah. like, okay, look, there's like four issues of this out right now. You guys need to read this yeah. right the I, fuck I, now. Colin Bunn is those books. Yeah, phenomenal. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was supposed to be in Kansas City and he wasn't there for family reasons. Like, shit, I wanted to meet him. Yeah. yeah. So of your stuff, what is what do you recommend? Oh well, my holy grail is Bay City Jive. Basically, Jive? It's Shaft meets Big Lip Trouble in Little China. <laughs> it was a Wildstorm book put out in 2001. And uh, it was three issues. And uh, I made a lot of mistakes that I learned <laughs> from. Uh, mistake number one, I don't own it. Mistake number two, DC doesn't collect three issue books. So it has oh, never been singles? collected. And oh. you can find it in the quarter bin. You know, if okay. you can find it, it will be in the quarter okay. bin. Uh, <laughs> But it's freaking awesome. And you can all get them on eBay for like a dollar an issue. But it's it's still, it was one of my first things and one of my absolute favorites. And no one knows about it. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to uh, ask the... I also sure. like my Scarface book for IDW. Um, I feel like that's the book where I found the tone that is now Chew. Okay. Like oh, if nice. you read it, you find a lot of like similarities in, uh, which you wouldn't think of for Scarface. Right. But the yeah. Scarface plot was, he did so much coke at the end of the movie that his body forgot to die and uh and so he, awesome. <laughs> so he wakes up in the hospital you know riddled with like 30 bullets but he's still alive and he he starts at the very bottom and you know works mm. his way up to the top and the first issue ends with a uh, death by colostomy bag and and each sort of issue you're like uh, amplifies like you know a disgusting murder now i understand the connection to chew <laughs> oh i'm, I'm just i'm, I'm I have this horrible mental image of death by colostomy bag <laughs> in my head. And, and the, the narration was very playful, which translated over to Chew. It's, it's where I sort of found the confidence to fuck around. And I'd be like, next issue, a whole lot of motherfuckers are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and like, just those kind of, you know, yeah. very light, fun captions. Right on. Nice. Um, so, not necessarily where you came up with the idea for Chew, but why Beats? Oh, there's no reason. <laughs> there's no for that. reason. <laughs> you know, it's blood colored. There is a Russian villain, and Russians eat a lot of borscht. Mm-hmm. And it was a combination. Well, it should fit in later somehow, uh, <laughs> and it actually does come into play in a surprising way in issue thirty. Okay, but uh, yeah, people ask me that, and there, there's no good answer. <laughs> I, I was really expecting you to be like, I fucking hate beets no, with a no passion. Problem. I got no problem. With All that. right. So the, the, the cliche question that I, I really do want to ask is, how did you get into writing comics in the first place? Like, well, it's all I've ever wanted to do. Yeah? Ever. Uh, and uh, I'm super old. So when I was growing up, you know, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have... I went to... I lived in uh, like three hours away from San Francisco, a couple hours away from Sacramento. And I would go to shows and lived in a small farm town where there was... I guess there was kind of a half-assed comic book store, but we would make a run to Sacramento once a month for comics. Right on. And uh, I didn't know how to get into comics, uh, so um, I was an English major in school, and because uh, that's that's writing, right? And then uh, I got a job at a newspaper, and I was like Jimmy Olsen, uh, like like mailboy, and yeah. you know stuff like that. And uh, I started pitching stories to the feature department. And the San Diego Comic Con, which is why I lived in San Diego. I, I was dating a girl. She's like, oh, you should move to San Diego. I'm like, ooh, there's a comic book convention there. <laughs> and uh, so I started pitching. Every year I'd pitch the Comic Con story. And you would uh, look for a local angle as a, as a uh, journalist. 
And so I'd always call up Wildstorm and be like, oh, you know, what are your plans? And I slowly got to know those people. They hired me as an assistant editor, which was horrible. <laughs> and I went back to the paper, and the paper gave me a comic book column in the book section. And this was like 1995. I mean, wow. there That's weren't rad. many comic yeah. book columns. And then yeah. after a year of that, Wildstorm came back, and they said, we have a full editor position. And it's better than an assistant editor. And I took that, and then suddenly DC bought us. And uh, so I was, like, magically a DC editor. And uh, uh, at the time, I'm reading Warren Ellis scripts. I'm reading Kurt Busiek, Joe Kelly, uh, Joe Casey, and all these people. And I sort of learned how it was done. And then just after a time, I'm like, all right, time to try it myself. And you start at the bottom. And just you work know, your way up and yeah, up and up. You know, the first couple scripts paid miserable. And you hope that every few scripts would pay a little better, sell a little better, uh, you know, some things you did because you didn't have a choice and you had to pay the rent. And uh, yeah. now you work to a position where you can pick and choose a little bit. Very, very cool. That's nice. Well, um, but now, uh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. It's a lot easier for people to break into comics because you can find me on Twitter. You can find anyone on Twitter or Facebook and, like, you can interact and, you know, I think it's easier for people to sort of network in comics than it was when... Definitely easier to network. I mean, that's how we got most of the people that we're interviewing today yeah. at the show. And Twitter, Twitter, oddly enough, is... Um, I didn't like it at first yeah. until I actually started getting real interactions with people that I would never be able to talk to otherwise, huh? right? You know, comic creators that I'm really a fan of uh, actually responding to questions yeah. that, I, that I have. It's, it's pretty nice, so... Yeah, I mean, the internet has changed everything with comics. Again, I'm so old that when we when I started at Wildstorm, we were saving pages, and it would take 20 minutes to save a page, and then we'd have to output film, and there was, like, the cyan, you know, the, there was the different... Yeah. They split the film, and all this stuff is just digitally, and I can talk to Rob on I Am all day, and he snaps a picture of the Sends page. it to you instantaneously. Yeah, everything is, you know, completely... You know, at our fingertips. Now. That's so awesome. And it doesn't matter that he lives in Louisiana yeah. and I live in Phoenix because we talk all day, the entire day. I was going to say that makes long ter- long distance collaboration a hell of a lot easier yep. too. Yep. So, so what's uh, aside from aside from Chew and uh, a few of the other things you mentioned? What what's in the future for you? Are you just I'm going to finish LA Noir. <laughs> Yeah? Yeah. I, I gave up Warcraft. I finished uh, GTA 4, finally. I finished Red Dead Redemption and the zombie version. Red Dead and, Redemption uh, was brilliant. Oh, yeah. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm playing video games, and it's awesome. And Rough. I'm finishing them. God, that's terrible. And pretty soon it's going to be 120 degrees, and I'm going to be swimming every day. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't work hard. I, I, I can't I even imagine living in that climate. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and the, the yeah. idea of living in in a, a hellishly hot, scorpion-infested yes. <laughs> world just—that's <laughs> that, even more treacherous. But if if I had my choice, I'd move back to Seattle in a heartbeat. But it's not necessary. Are you from here originally? Home. No, but I lived here, and it, you know, this was home. It's, yeah. I, I love it out here. I moved out here from the Midwest. and yeah. I moved out here from California. Okay. And it looks like the plan now, this is too far from my like wife's family and all the kids and all that sort of stuff. But if the TV stuff continues to progress at the rate it's going, the, the sort of the dream and the plan is to get to L.A.-ish and hopefully do what Kirkman does on Walking Dead, you know, contribute to the show and hopefully yeah. write a few episodes here and there. Agora Hills is not necessarily L.A., but it's... 
like probably one of the most beautiful areas in California that I've ever seen. Well, I lived in San Diego for 12 years, and if we can, it depends on my role on the show, assuming the show even happens, but, uh, you know, I could always move to San Diego, and I still that's, have lots of friends there. Yeah, that's still also phenomenal. Well, I, I'm really looking forward to the show if it, if it happens. Um, I'm, I'm hoping maybe that the success of more independent comics turning into shows will bring back the Lock and Key TV show, too, and yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, you never that That's... sort of ship has sailed. When, cause when, when yeah. things don't happen in Hollywood, sometimes they just don't happen. They just don't ever happen. That is but a freaking shame. That I know. The and I mean, Lock and Key is almost done now. Yeah. Yeah. Seven more. Seven, yeah, seven more. Like yeah. Well, someday you'll be saying that about you. True enough. Hopefully, there will be a TV show. You know, we can have the we can have a, a three hour power block of Lock and Key, Chew and Powers. Yeah, like that would be something. <laughs> we're um, we did a poster cover for issue fifteen. That was the the, the Last one. Supper one. Yes, and uh, thirty is our wedding issue, and so we're gonna do a every you know fifteen issues we're gonna do a, a poster. Cover. Oh, nice. So. Actually, I do have a copy of the the poster from San Diego. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up now. Thank you very much for taking the time to sit down with us and talk for a little bit. And uh, thanks for having me.